High school, how are we feeling tonight? How are we feeling tonight? Hey, can we give a round of applause for Anna and her amazing workout skills right there? Yeah. Here's what I'm going to need you to do. I'm going to need every single one of you to drop down and give me 10. Nothing. No, no. Actually, we're not going to do that tonight. What's up? Hey, it's so good to see each and every one of you. My name is James Ricker. I'm the high school coordinator here at Mount Horeb. I get to work with Anna Wills, who you saw earlier, and Stallion, and an awesome team. And our job is to love on you guys and uh, be available to y'all. So, dude, if there's anything that we can do for you personally, let us know. Um, I'm so pumped to be here tonight because, first of all, I love every Sunday night. Um, but anytime I get to speak, it's just such an honor, and I'm so happy um, to be sharing with you all a little bit of my story and stuff like that. Uh, right off the bat, I just got to tell you, and this has nothing to do with anything, but I got made fun of the other day by some middle schoolers for wearing these jeans. And I was like, you guys don't know fashion. Literally, you're in sixth grade. Like, you're going to grow up insecure if you're already making fun of me. It's not going to end up well. And so I just had to, like, get that off my chest because I hope you guys wouldn't do the same because my high schoolers are older, mature, and we're more accepting. And so these jeans are, are whatever, man. They're cool. I like to wear them. It's all good. Um, how's school going? Yeah, that's about the same response I got when I asked middle school. So school is just like whatever. I feel that. So we're a couple, we're like a month in, right? And we've already had a hurricane day. That's so weird. And not, But, you know, thank God that nothing came and hit us. So how many of us in here would say so far, I mean, based on your response, how many of us right now, like everything in school makes sense right now, you're acing all your tests, you already got a 4.0, you're the smartest kid in your class, how many of us right there? No. I got somebody in the back. That's dope. Okay, how many of us are already at the point where every day we walk into school and we're like, why God, no! Yeah. Is that? Okay, so... You would say that school can be a little bit confusing, right? Not everything makes sense. Um, I got to say, when I started out my school career, you know, showed up. First day I moved here, I showed up on crutches in seventh grade to Pleasant Hill Middle School. Shout out to Cougars. And uh, I got to say, dude, middle school was easy. It really was. Like, I just showed up to class and got good grades, and I got to play sports, and it was really fun. Um, and everything just kind of made sense. I never really had to study until I had this one class. Um, some of you guys might know, some of you guys are geniuses in here, so you're going to laugh at me, but this one class called Algebra 1 Honors, <laughs> right? It ruined me. My eighth grade mind was like, I'm dead. Because it was the first time I actually had to, like, think about stuff. Because up till then, you had, you had maths, which, like, 2 plus 2 equals... Uh, 8 times 4 equals 32. Okay, all right. Uh, how about uh, 11 times 11? Yeah, good thing y'all know it. <laughs> so, yeah, so Algebra 1 Honors got really tricky for me because I was just like, I do not know how to do letters and numbers together. And, some again, some of y'all in here are super smart. And uh, just, all, you know, I'll be working for you one day, and so uh, hire me or whatever. But... That's how it be. Um, do we have that algebra equation up there on there? Okay, yeah. If anybody can solve that, I will give them a pack of Skittles. Uh, and I'm like that English teacher that doesn't actually read your paper. I just give you an A. And so uh, somebody give me an answer. 
You get it. Congratulations. Oh, that's Biggs. Hey, your Skittles, they're for you, man. I don't actually know the answer to that, and so can we take that off? <laughs> because I really don't. I told you algebra was tough. So what we're talking about tonight is, uh, is a topic, and it goes like this. Sometimes life doesn't make sense. Sometimes life doesn't make sense. Turn to your neighbor and say, it'd be like that sometimes. Turn to your other neighbor and say, it do be like that sometimes. So, yeah, that's what we're talking about tonight. Um, sometimes life can be confusing. I think we're all old enough, wise enough, mature enough in our high school nature. We, are, we know that not everything in life makes sense, and we can't just explain it off, right? Um, and sometimes when life is confusing growing up, we, uh, life, you know, hits us in the face, and, and we learn really quickly from our mistake. The first time you ever put your hand on a stove, you realize that that junk was hot. And so you're not going to touch it again unless you're just a crazy person. And for that, um, I have nothing to say. Or maybe the first time you saw that little fly that was black and yellow and it buzzed and you were just like, dude, get out of my face. You start knocking at it and you realize that that joker has a stinger on his butt and his name is a bee and he's going to sting you. And then he dies. And so then you feel bad because he's gone. <laughs> it's so sad. Uh, so, then, yeah, that, you, you learn your lesson. Or the first time, like me, where you're doing fine in school and then you decide not to study for a test and then you get a really bad grade and your life falls apart and you realize, I better not not study again, right? You're feeling me. But sometimes uh, life doesn't make sense and it hits. Sometimes life doesn't make sense and it hurts, like really bad. And you guys are old enough, you guys are mature enough, you know what I'm talking about when I get into this. That sometimes life knocks you on your butt and you don't know what to do. Maybe it's your parents getting divorced. Maybe somebody you love gets diagnosed with a disease. Maybe somebody you love gets cancer. Um, you lose a friend or a family member. Your friends go behind your back and you get betrayed. Or you really mess something up in life. It's your own fault and it hurts a lot of people around you. See, sometimes life hits you in the face and you don't know what to do about it. Sometimes life doesn't make sense. I remember all the times that life didn't make sense for me growing up. Um, I struggle to even, like, share a little bit of my story because part of it is, like, embarrassing because I don't, I don't want to, like, make a bad name for my family or any of that, and I don't, I don't mean any harm by sharing my story. Um, I really like to be, like, the funny, like, go-getter dude that's just having a good time, always talking about positivity. Um, and so I really like to just kind of shove the past down. I don't know if any of you are like that, right? You just, like... You have a story. You have some real stuff going on in life. You just kind of put it down. And I've been quiet about it for, like, a, a long time. And so, um, yeah, it's hard to share your scars. But uh, tonight I just want to share a little bit of kind of what I've been through and be an example of somebody who um, life has <laughs> it's not been the most chill to. 
But the good news is I believe that in sharing some of my story, God could give some of us hope in the room tonight. Amen. So I was five years old and my parents got divorced, right? Any of you been there? You don't have to raise your hand. But it's this weird thing. You're, you're still a kid. You don't really know what's going on. It's just kind of your new normal. And um, at that time, I really had no clue what was going on. I just figured, oh, okay, this is life. And I would go over to my dad's house like every other weekend. And then I'd stay with my mom. And so we'd go back and forth. And I had uh, two, uh, I had a brother and a sister at that time. And so I was um, just living life for uh, the next few years after they got divorced. And... Um, then one day, we were, uh, we were going to my dad's house, and we lived in Florida. And I moved around a lot as a kid, uh, just because of, like, divorce and jobs and things like that. And one day, we were going to my dad's house, and um, I realized all of our stuff was outside of his house. And I was like, my bed is not supposed to be out here. It's supposed to be <laughs> in my room. That's where I sleep. Like, what is going on? And um, my dad was like, hey, I'm moving, and uh, we're going to move your stuff back to mom's. And then, um, like, in a few weeks, you can move your stuff back to my new place. And so I'll see you soon. And for whatever reason, I was, like, really mad at my dad um, that time because I was a little 8-year-old boy, and I wanted to decide to be hard. And so this was, like, the first – I was, like, testing something out. I've always been, like, a soft, like, like sweet kid. But I was like, today, I'm not going to tell my dad I love him. I'm not going to show any emotion. I'm just going to be mad, and I'm going to let myself be mad. So eight-year-old me um, gets back into my mom's car, and we are about to drive away. My dad was like, I love you, son. And he looked at me, and um, he was like, I love you. I'll see you soon, all right? And I was like just dead-faced. I just stared at him. And unfortunately, I didn't know this at the time, but I wasn't going to see him for another 10 years. I didn't have any communication with him. I didn't hear about what he was going through. I didn't anything. And so what had happened was um, he, he, couldn't, he couldn't take care of us anymore. He couldn't see me and my siblings, and so we went full-time with my mom. So that was eight years old, and um, it was a super weird experience. Fast forward to my freshman year of high school, so where some of you guys are at. Um, my mom had remarried. I had a stepdad who had adopted us, and we took on his name and stuff, and things were really cool for a while until they weren't. And one day I got home from school, my ninth grade year, and uh, I was here in Lexington. And my parents had a really serious look on their face, and I was like, not again, not again. And um, they told me that, hey, they were going to get separated, they were going to get a divorce. So at this point, I'm like, are you kidding me, God? Like, I don't have any dad that loves me. I have, like... I felt so alone. I felt so betrayed. And things were really rough. It, it didn't really get much better after that. Um, there was so much anger because now I was in high school and I had my own like anger issues. 
and my own attitude and my own swag or what I thought I had swag. And um, so I tried to play hard again. I was playing football at Lexington and just like living life. And it didn't hit me until one of my one of my buddies, his name was Jordan. He came to, up to me and he was like, hey, man, I'm sorry for what's going on. I was like, I'm fine, dude. And um, after that, I just lost it and was like, I want to be normal. I just want to live a normal life. My friends have good parents. They have good families. And I just want to live a normal life. And then um, I told you things didn't necessarily get better. My senior year of high school, things were so bad at my house, um, you know, with my mom and my family. Keep in mind, I wasn't the best kid. Um, I was so angry all the time. I would yell at my mom. And we would get into arguments, and we would get really mad. And, and things got so hostile at the house that it was best for me to just move out. And so halfway through my senior year, I ended up starting living with friends um, and their families who, like, took me in. And that was such a hard time because everything that I had, like, had been built up in my life, these structures of family, of security, of love, were all coming down. And it felt like I had nothing, nothing stable. So I ride out my senior year of high school living with buddies and then went on to college and, and moved on. I'm reminded of a passage in the Bible um, of a young guy who, who went through some crud, who didn't get handed the best cards in life. Um, his name rhymed with Brosif. You guys know who I'm talking about? Joseph? Yeah. Um, Joseph was a dude, some of you guys grew up knowing his story watching that Prince of Egypt movie. Um, Joseph was a dude who went through some crazy stuff with his family too. Um, and I want to share a little bit of his story in the Bible tonight. Because I think there's a lot we can take away from it. If you guys will open up with me to Genesis uh, chapter 37, verse 3 through 5. Genesis chapter 37, verse 3 through 5. You can go in your, in your real book or in, on the iPad. iPad. I'm not a boomer. It's your iPhone. We don't have iPads. All right. <laughs> Verse 3, now Israel loved Joseph. Israel was Joseph's dad. Word. Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now Joseph, we know this, we know Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. How many of us in here have siblings tonight? All right. Who's a favorite? Okay. Okay. So you guys would have got the coat of many colors. You think you're the favorite? Yeah. There's like 11 of y'all. Are you sure? That's awesome. That's a win. That's a big win. So I don't know if you know the story. I'm going to summarize a little bit of it. But, uh, Joseph was special, obviously. Joseph was most loved by his father. 
and it made his siblings jealous. So jealous that one day, all of his siblings were out working in the field, because this was back in the day. This wasn't, they're not working at Apple or Google or doing tech. They're tending sheep. And they were outside one day, and they, they decided the best thing we can do is like, hey, I don't like Joseph so much. I'm not going to block him on Instagram. I'm not going to unfollow him. We're going to kill him. Good idea, right? And so they decided to kill Joseph when Joseph was coming, um, coming out to the field to work with them. Fortunately, one of the brothers, I think his name was Reuben, he, just, he said, you know what? Hey, we shouldn't kill Joseph. We shouldn't be so hard on him. We shouldn't kill him, right? That's like, that's good, right? We should sell him into slavery after we throw him in a pit. And they're like, yeah, that'll work, you know, uh, we'll just let God take care of him. And so I made this, I said this to the middle schoolers, and they laughed so hard. I was like, what would you do if your, your uh, siblings sold you into slavery? And everybody laughed, and I didn't realize how, like, corny that sounded. But if you can actually go there, imagine, I mean, imagine the length at which somebody has to hate you to sell you into slavery. Are you feeling me? And so he ends up getting sold into slavery, and here's what we see. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through 5. Genesis 39, verses 1 through 5. Joseph gets sold into slavery, and this dude named Potiphar now owns him. All right, and we're going to see this. This is cool. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph. Hmm, that's interesting. And he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. Verse 3. His master saw that the Lord was with him. That's cool. And the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended to him, and made him an overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he had made him an overseer in his house and all over all that he had had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. So what do we see here? We see that the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph lived his life in such a way that people were like, oh, like God is with this guy. God is with that gal. And what does it say? It says he became successful in everything that he did. And so Joseph is put in this terrible position. He's a slave, but what, he has such a good attitude. He has, he has such a good presence. He lets God live through him that he becomes the top slave, and he's in charge of, like, everything with Potiphar. And so he starts to do good. He's living the best life a slave can live, I'll tell you that. Things start to look up for Joseph. But then, but then, Potiphar was a chill dude. His wife, not so much. Where are we going to? Genesis 39, um, verses 20. No, we're not going there. I'll tell you this. Potiphar had a wife. We don't know what her name was, and so we'll call her Hotifer because she was super Hotifer. Apparently, because Potiphar could do whatever. And so... Hotifer saw Joseph. The Bible says that Joseph was a very handsome-looking young man, and Joseph was successful, and for whatever reason, Hotifer had a thing for slaves. And so she decides to slide into Joseph's DMs. But we know she shot her shot. But what do we know about Joseph? 
that God was what? God was with him and that he was a man of integrity, all right? And so Joseph literally blocks it, is like, no, that's not me. And the Bible says that he, she tries to come on to him and he runs away from her. He legit runs away from her. Talk about, like, he's a boss. And Potiphar, Potiphar's wife, gets super mad about it. And so she doesn't just keep it chill, but she goes to uh, Potiphar and she goes to all the guards and is like, Joseph tried to slide into my DMs, and he's trying to, like, get all with me, and he's like, you're number one slave. You guys need to put him in prison. And they believe her. And so now Joseph goes from being the top slave. He's all in charge. This girl slides into his DMs. He blocks her, and then he gets put in prison for it. Like, literally, this guy cannot catch a break. He's only doing the right things. He's following God. It even says God is with him, but now he gets put into prison. This doesn't make, like, if you follow God, your life's supposed to be perfect, right? Like, your life just goes like this. Or this, I don't know however that, that thing goes. Let's, let's turn to Genesis chapter 39, verses 20 through 22. This is what it says about Joseph in prison. Verse 20, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. Thank you, Bible. You know he was in prison. Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. And the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything because Joseph was in charge and he was doing his thing. So do you see the trend? Do you see the trend here? Joseph continues to honor the Lord even though his circumstances go down and down and worse and worse and he's continuing to do the right thing. He's continuing to follow God. And so I don't have time to read the rest of the story to you, but God uses Joseph in that prison as some of you know. He uses Joseph to interpret some of the people's dreams. And he does it so well that when Pharaoh starts having bad dreams, they remember that Joseph could interpret dreams. And so Joseph goes to Pharaoh. He interprets this dream, which basically saves Egypt from like seven years of famine. And so he becomes like this celebrated guy. Um, they get him out of prison, and now he's second in command again with Pharaoh now. So Potiphar works for Pharaoh. Pharaoh's at the very top. Joseph is right under that. And so Joseph is working for Pharaoh. He's doing great. He's finally like being honored for the good things that he had done. And then later on, his family, when they go into a famine, have to actually travel to Egypt, his brothers and all them who tried to kill him. And they come back to Egypt, and it's this story of irony where, uh, where Joseph is able to feed his family and save them. And then eventually he reveals himself to them, and he forgives his brothers. Joseph forgives his brothers, and then he saves his family. And it's this amazing story. You can go read it. I encourage you to, because we had to run through it with tonight. But the cool thing is that he was able to forgive his brothers. And we mentioned this earlier. Where was God in the story? God was with Joseph. Even when he was going through bad stuff, even when he was in prison, even when he was a slave, God was with Joseph. And the same God was with me when I was going through so much pain in my life growing up. 
it would have been so much easier for me to just lay down and take it. It would have been so easy for me on the nights that I stayed up crying because I felt like I had nobody. It would have been easy for me to give up. But I couldn't, and I didn't know why. See, in that time when I was alone, when I was a middle school kid, scared as all get out, when I was a high school kid who thought I knew everything and was going through hell on earth, I had this sense that God was there. Like Joseph, like it said about Joseph in the Bible, I felt like God was with me. In fact, he was the only person I could turn to because I didn't have anybody else to go to. I can't explain it, but I felt like God was with me. And so I decided very early on to trust in Jesus. And to some of you, that might sound crazy. It's like, why would I trust in this Jesus when, you, when his life has gone so wrong and when he hasn't done anything to deserve it? But God has taken me on a journey. And I've been able to learn and learn the hard way that life doesn't always make sense. And you're not always going to get a perfect answer for it. But little did I know that God would use those very things that happened to me growing up to give me a passion and use me more than I could have ever imagined. See, God doesn't promise us a problem-free life. God doesn't promise us a problem-free life. He promises us something better. And although we can't understand it right now, he promises to be with us. God promises to be with us through the pain. See, I sat in those chairs just like you are right now, not long ago, literally like five years ago. I was dealing with so much mess. I was wondering where God was in my situation, and nothing was getting better. I was wondering if he could do anything good out of my situation. And guess what? He didn't fix everything right away. He didn't suddenly put, get my parents back together and, and the whole family's back and now everything is good. He met me in my struggles, in those long nights of tears all alone. He met me when I felt alone at school. He met me anywhere I went. The further down I went, he was still there. I couldn't run from him. And it was in those moments where I didn't get what I wanted right away that God was preparing me for something bigger to come. Y'all hearing me? God's not a bad father that gives a kid whatever they want, whenever they want it. Because what does that do to the kid? It makes them spoiled. They don't learn to appreciate the beauty of life. In fact, I would say it would make us weaker because we couldn't, we couldn't live on our own. And see, if God were to just pull me out of all my hurt and all my bad circumstances, like I had prayed for him to, by the way, because I would pray for God to just fix everything right then. If he would have pulled me out of that, I feel like it would have made me weaker. Instead, he walked with me through the pain. And he said, even though all this stuff is going on in your life, I'm going to be with you. And I feel like that's way more powerful than a God that just fairly odd parents poofs you right away from your pain. 
It was in those little moments of my weakness that Jesus was giving me the strength to press on. He was making me stronger. And now I can trust him so much more with what I'm going through because we went through that together. And I'll say this. If God hadn't walked with me through those painful years of life, I don't think I would have been able to learn how to forgive. You feeling me? If I hadn't gone through that pain, if I hadn't learned and just sat in the mess, I don't think I would have learned the beauty of forgiveness. I told you earlier that my story wasn't done. And all I have to say is I'm standing here right now. I'm literally alive. I'm on the other side of some bad stuff, but I made it through. Not on my own strength, but I'm here. And I'm here to tell you that whatever it is that you're going through in life right now, I feel you, dude. I feel you. Life doesn't always make sense. But I want to stand here on firm ground tonight and say that you can make it through if only you would put your trust in Jesus and let him walk with you through it. See, I used to ask Jesus why. I used to ask, why is all this happening to me? And I don't have all the answers still. But I'll tell you this. When I was 17 years old, I was playing football at Lexington, and um, my family was going through some really, like, hard financial struggles. And so my mom started, I didn't know this, but my mom, my dad had reached out to my mom, my real dad, and he started giving her money so that we could have food and so that I could get clothes, and, and it was just like, it was crazy. My mom decided to let me know. And it rocked my world because when she said his name, she said, this dude's giving us money. I was like, I've forgotten it, like who he was. I mean, I had lived 10 years without him. And then all of a sudden, like a few weeks later, my mom was like, hey, he wants to call you. Would you be down to talk to him? And I hadn't heard from him. I had no clue what was going on. And I was like, all right. I'll give him a call. And it was so weird. And we talked on the phone. I didn't recognize him, and it was so awkward. I didn't really know what to do, but I was just present. And then, long story short, he wanted to see me and my brother and my sister. She was a cheerleader. We played football. He wanted to see his boys play football. He was living across the country in Phoenix. Um, he had been sober for a few years. And so he was like, hey, do you mind if I move to Columbia? And just watch you. I can be your uncle. Like, you don't have to know who I am. But I just want to watch my boys play football. And I was like, dude, do whatever you want. Like, come on. And it was just a perfect time for my life. Because I was at such a low point, And I didn't have anybody. And then one day after football practice, I'm walking off the field. And this short dude with a weird nose walks up to me. And it was my dad. I hadn't seen him in like 10 years. I didn't recognize him, but I gave him a hug. And then we went to Buffalo Wild Wings, and we just sat there and looked at each other, me, him, and my brother. What do you say to somebody you haven't seen in 10 years? And so he said, I'm sorry. And in that moment, I don't know why, but God was just like, forgive him. My stupid self said, okay, <laughs> I forgive you. I just decided to forgive him right there. 
And since then, he's been like my best friend. He started to help me grow up. He helped me get my own bank account. He helped me apply for college. He believed in me. Because God had changed his life all those years. And he started to change mine. I told you I wasn't living with my mom because I had moved out. And he helped me remind me that if Jesus could forgive me, that I could forgive anybody. And so it took a really long time, and we fought back and forth, but I decided I'm going to forgive my mom, and I'm going to ask for her forgiveness on my part. And then my stepdad, who was out too, we had a terrible relationship. But my dad encouraged me to go after him and to tell him that you forgive him and to ask for forgiveness. And so I met up with him, and we forgave each other. And now I hang out with all of them. And my family doesn't look perfect. And nobody's like back together. But we're on speaking terms and we can talk to each other and we love each other. And now I'm starting like a family of my own. We're not expecting any kids, but I have a wife. And it's like we get a shot at this. I mean, it's insane. If I wouldn't have gone through this pain, I wouldn't have learned the beauty of forgiveness and what Jesus did for us. Whatever you're going through tonight, I can't promise you that I feel your pain. I can't promise you that I, I know exactly what's going on. Only God knows that. But I would just ask that you would allow God to meet you in that pain and in that struggle tonight. I would ask that you wouldn't lay in bed just crying all night and keeping it to yourself. But that you would reach out to a friend or to one of our volunteers in here tonight. And then you would start to talk about it. Because I can't promise you that God is going to fix everything in your life, but I can promise you something better, that he's going to walk you through it, and he's going to make you stronger. And I know that sounds super sucky right now, but you'll thank him for it in a weird way. So my question for us tonight is where in your life do you need to trust Jesus? What kind of pain do you need to let go of? Do you need to give it up to God? What kind of hurt are you feeling that you need to let go? We're going to sing this song. It's called Trust. And so in this, in this moment, I want to invite us to do several different things. And it's all individualized to you. If you need to go and you need to talk to a friend, or you need to talk to an adult, you need to talk to Stal or Anna or anybody in the back, I want you to do that. If you need to just sit in your chair and think about God, where are you right now? I want you to ask that. If you need to trust Jesus with your salvation, you've never done that before, I want to invite you to do that tonight during this song. And so when I, after I pray and we start singing, it's going to look different in the room, but don't worry. Don't look at other people. If you need to come to the front and kneel, come to the front and kneel. If you need to go back and talk to somebody, talk to somebody, but just know this. God wants to walk with you through your pain. If only we would recognize him, if only we would 
realize that he's right here with us no matter what we're going through. So I'm going to invite the band back on. And we're going to pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for allowing a goober like me to get up and share my story. Um, something that I'm so embarrassed of so much, some, something I don't like to explain, God. Somehow you can use it to help your children. God, I pray for those who us, of us in here, I don't know who it is, but is going through something really hard right now. I pray that you would begin to start healing them in the name of Jesus. I don't know what it is they're thinking about right now, Jesus, but you do, God. Would you meet them where they're at? Would you give them the faith to realize that you are with them? God, we're about to let go of whatever it is that we're holding on to tonight. And so let us do that as we sing. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.